Welcome to The Kick in the Cast, the audio blog of a wannabe podcast novelist. My name's Chris, and this is episode 30. Hello, and welcome back to The Kick in the Cast. Well, it's taken some time, more than I'd planned, but here we are at episode 30. It feels a lot like a milestone making it this far. I think this is the furthest I've taken a podcast in terms of episodes. Now, I have other reasons for this feeling like a milestone, but those I'll get into after today's story. So, today I have part two of my Metamorph City fanfiction Rebirth on deck. Now, again, originally this story was aired on Chris Lester's Metamorph City podcast. But I've made a few tweaks to it and figured you'd all like to hear it again. Plus, I've got some more news related to this, which I'll talk about after the story. Okay, let's get into this. Here's part two of Rebirth. Rebirth, a Metamorph City fanfiction. Written and read by Chris Fitzton. Why would you say that? asked Shara. Carl sighed. I just... I'm not sure if why I'm here is the right reason. If why I had the papers filled out and everything was justified. He rose from the cot and took a few steps away. Shara could sense the growing agitation in him. She braced herself slightly, having a good idea of what was to come, but having no idea in what form it would materialize. I'm not from here, Carl said, his back to Shara. From the city. I grew up in a one-horse town run less by its mayor and more by Father Harlan Valuto. He's one of those fire-and-brimstone ecclesia preachers. You know, the, the kind you see on the world net. He preaches with all that gusto and fervor, whipping the congregation up into a frenzy every Sunday and making us all feel like he's got Eli on speed dial. There was a long pause. But that kind of gusto twists people. When I was seven, I was an acolyte for the church. Me and three others were Father Valuto's special helpers every Sunday. We lit the candles, helped with communion, and stayed after services to help clean up. Or so I thought. Shara bit her lower lip tenderly. She had an idea where this was going, but she didn't like it. I I take it cleaning was the last thing on this Father Veluto's mind, she said softly. Carl nodded. There were rumors, he said. Stories about what he was like around kids, but it wasn't like we had a choice. Being chosen as his acolyte was a big thing back home. Mom and Dad were ecstatic when Voluto chose me. He shuddered slightly. At first, I was happy too. Until he... He... he. Carl shut his eyes. Visions of that door locking. A Voluto's lecherous grin as he loosened his vestments filled his mind. The physical pain had been unbearable, but that paled compared to the mental anguish that followed. Shara took a step forward but Carl held up his hand. Every Sunday, he took another piece of my innocence away, and there was nothing I could do. 
There was no one I could turn to. Not the police, the town council, or even my parents. They all believed he was a true servant of Eli, and to go against him was to go against the faith. So why are you here, Carl? Shara asked, her voice soft. Why are you, a human, here tonight, ready to take the curse? Because one night, he replied, I finally did speak out. I told my father about what Valuto was doing to me and the others, and he flew into a holy rage, but not at him. With a slow exhale, Carl lifted up his shirt and pulled it over his head. Shara let out a pained gasp, and her eyes went wide in horror. From the base of his neck to just above the hemline of his shorts, Carl's back was decorated in a roughly drawn approximation of a yew tree, the symbol of the Ecclesian faith. Shara's eyes made out the raised texture of the mark, and she could only guess at the utter agony Carl had suffered when this happened. She moved gingerly towards him and placed her hand over part of the drawing. She cringed slightly when her fingers brushed over the raised, ruined skin. There was something dark about this marking. Something sinister. He called me a blasphemer, said Carl, his voice growing in anger. He and Mother strapped me down, and while he did this, she stood there singing hymns of praise and reciting passages. I begged him to stop, but that only drove him onward. He kept begging Eli to forgive me for lying about Voluto, and that this mark would be proof of my penance. Oh, gods, Carl, Shara choked. She rested her muzzle on his shoulder and wrapped her arms around him, holding him tightly. Carl let out a dry chuckle. <laughs> it wasn't long after when the beatings began, he said. Dad became a tyrant around the home, interpreting anything I did wrong as a breach of my devotion. Before long, everything became my fault. Bad day at work? My fault. Mom burned dinner? My fault again. I could breathe the wrong way and he'd take a strip off me. Shara let out a soft growl as Carl continued. I still had a few friends back home, and they helped me get all the admission and student loan papers in order. I took all the entrance exams during school times and had any correspondence sent to a friend's house. As soon as everything was in order, I boarded that train and got the hell out of there. I wanted to start over again to bury my past back there and start with a clean slate. Carl, she said. Taking the curse isn't going to erase your past. Sure, it'll give you a new look, but you'll still be you. I know, he said, his voice sounding weary. That's what I tell myself every time I get the stones to pull this pendant off. I build up the determination, reach for it, and then realize that I'm just being stupid. I'm fooling myself. Have you thought about getting this removed? Shara asked, running her fingers over the scars again. Whatever Dad used on me, Carl replied, there isn't a salve or spell in existence that can get rid of it. I even went to that spells-for-you place we heard about. That guy there, Artax, he took one look at me and, well, I didn't think wizards were allowed to curse that much. He sighed. I thought taking the curse would be the best way to deal with it, but I guess it's just vain, isn't it? Vain? Charlotte Carl go, allowing him to turn and face her. Well, yeah, Carl said. I mean, you said so yourself. 
I'll still be me. So what? I get a fur coat just to cover up a scar? I mean, how petty is that? You took the curse because of your parents, and... Carl, she interrupted. Come here. She led him to the mirror and stood beside him. Who do you see? she asked. Answer me truthfully. Carl stared at his reflection. Before him stood a human of average height. His skin was pale, but had a slight tan to it from his time outside. He wasn't muscular, but he was no slouch. His sandy brown hair was cut short, and his face was smooth from having shaved that morning. But when he looked into his hazel eyes, the image before him changed. He saw his face harden. It aged before his eyes, and before he knew it, he was staring at the stern, hateful face of his father. The reflection glared at him, mocking him. He could almost hear his voice, berating him for his heresy against Father Valuto, and even against Eli. Carl snapped his gaze away from the mirror, staggering. Shara caught him and rubbed a hand over his back to soothe him. I... I saw my father, he stammered. In my face, I saw him. Do you always see him? Shara asked. Carl nodded. If I stare too long, it's like he's always reminding me of who I am and that someday I'll be just like him. He shook his head. I don't want to see him anymore, Shara. Not in me. Shara nodded. You know it will still be you, she repeated. I know, Carl countered. But maybe if I stop seeing him every time I look at myself, maybe I can just be me again. But is that enough of a reason, Shara? Am I worthy of this? Yes, Shara said, her voice full of conviction. Carl, it's not a question of being worthy. You said you wanted a clean slate coming here. A lot of people in your position use tattoos, body mods, or piercings to empower them. The thing is, all of those can be removed, Carl. Taking the curse can't be undone, so you have to know in your heart of hearts that you want this. She raised a hand and stroked his cheek. Personally, I think what you're doing is the bravest thing anyone in your situation can. She pointed at his chest. But you have to believe it too, Carl. Carl felt a tear roll down his cheek. Wordlessly, he leaned towards Shara, who wrapped her arms around him tightly. He managed to bury his face in her neck before the sobs came. Shara cradled her friend in her arms as all the anxiety, all the doubt, all the confusion was purged from Carl's soul. She breathed a silent prayer of thanks to Eli. Friendship aside, getting Carl to fully understand what was about to happen to him was paramount to all this. With all the barriers broken, the odds that Carl would fully accept his new form were now in his favor. They held each other for several more minutes before Carl calmed down. Inside, he felt as though an immense weight had been taken off his soul. He felt stronger somehow, as though finally telling someone about his past had freed him from its grip. His past was still there, but that's what it was. His past. It couldn't hurt him anymore. It was time to move forward. I think I'm ready, he said finally, staring into Shara's amber eyes. 
Time to move on with my life. She nodded, smiling as she led him back over to the cot. They reassumed their seats and locked eyes with each other as Carl slowly reached for his pendant. He took a few deep breaths before he gripped the chain and slowly lifted it over his head. His heart felt like it skipped a beat as the realization of what he had just done sunk in. Quickly, he threw the pendant across the room before he could change his mind. Involuntarily, his breathing grew ragged as the panic rose within him. Lay back, she said quietly. Just relax, Carl. There's nothing to be afraid of now. Nothing's going to hurt you here. Just breathe normally, Carl. Breathe and relax. Her voice sounded hypnotic to his ears. Her soothing tone and gentle touch made him relax almost immediately. His breathing slowed to a normal, steady rhythm and his heart stopped pounding in his chest. He tried his best to keep his mind calm and his body still. He remembered one of his friends describing getting a tattoo. It was painful, but if you flinched, you risked messing up the design. Carl didn't know how flinching would affect his transformation, but he didn't want to find out. He ran a hand over his chest, only vaguely aware that his chest hair seemed thicker now. He looked down and his eyes widened. Sure enough, his chest was hairier than before. A lot hairier. He hadn't expected the curse to start working on him so quickly. He ran a hand over his chest again, each time feeling the hair, or fur, on his chest getting thicker. His eyes slowly lost focus, and he blinked rapidly to try and clear them. Only then did he realize that the transformation was now taking hold of him fully. He felt his face begin to push outward, slowly but steadily taking the shape of a muzzle. He wanted to scream, but feared the consequences of opening his still-changing mouth. He ran his tongue over his teeth and felt them also beginning to change. He felt a pressure at the base of his spine, and Shara helped him roll his shaking body to his side. He felt a blush creep up his cheeks as he felt Shara pull his shorts down slightly, making room for his growing tail. As it did, he felt his mind light up as it incorporated the growing appendage into his consciousness. Through his still-changing eyes, Carl looked down and saw his feet begin to elongate. Mentally, he wanted to cry out in pain, but like Shara said, there was no pain to be felt. Instead, there was just an uncomfortable, eerie sensation as his body slowly reshaped itself. He couldn't keep himself from shaking as his upper body continued to change. His chest expanded, widened. His heart resumed pounding once more as it too began to change and adjust to a new rhythm. Carl's breath soon came in ragged gasps. Something was wrong. She said there wouldn't be any pain, yet his heart ached and his lungs burned. Faster and faster, his heart pounded in his chest, threatening to explode if he kept this up much longer. He shut his eyes, trying desperately to block out what was happening. It was too much. His body couldn't take it. He was going to die before it was over. He could hear his father's voice once more, filling his mind with its mocking tone. You betrayed your family, he heard it said. You betrayed Eli with your lies. I tried to save you. I gave you his mark and still you spurned his love. There's no hope for you now. 
No hope. Fuck. Sleep. Suddenly, Carl's heartbeat slowed. He barely felt her touch, but as he was rolled onto his back once more, his blurred eyesight beheld the image of Shara, arm outstretched and her hand on his forehead. From where she touched him, he felt a calming warmth spreading over him, like being covered in a warm, comforting blanket. His eyelids flickered, and he fought to keep them open and focused on her sweet, smiling muzzle. However, as the warmth continued to spread, it was getting harder and harder to do so. He still felt his body changing. His muscles and nerves were still shifting and remapping. His mind still flashed and sizzled as it adjusted to the changing body. None of it mattered anymore, though. Nothing mattered but the warmth and her tender touch. Sleep. Finally, Carl closed his eyes and surrendered to the Metamore City curse. He didn't know how long he'd been out. There were no windows or other way to visually indicate if it was still early evening, midnight, or morning. It felt surreal to him, normally used to the set schedule of a student, but now unable to distinguish the time of day. On reflex, Carl moved his arm and saw he was wearing a watch. Well, the black mark on his wrist looked like a watch, but try as he might, he couldn't seem to focus on it well enough to read the time. As the haze of sleep cleared, Carl realized that he wasn't wearing a watch. The black mark on his wrist was a stripe. It was one of many stripes that sharply contrasted his skin. No, not his skin. It was fur. His orange and white fur. Slowly, he moved to a seated position on the cot, wincing as his tail caught underneath him. He shifted slightly, allowing it to come to rest beside him, only dimly aware that this appendage hadn't been there the day before. He looked down at it as it twitched lazily. Half his mind was screaming, Holy shit, I have a tail! While the other half simply scoffed, saying, Yeah, and? He ran his hand over it, and his mind lit up from the sensation. He now understood why so many theriomorphs turned to jelly when someone played with their tails. Now fully awake, Carl's eyes snapped into focus. He was amazed at how different everything seemed now. Everything was much more defined, even if the colors were a bit more muted. He felt some disappointment at this, but he knew his new night vision would more than make up for it. He couldn't wait to try it out. I wonder what I look like. Carl looked down at his feet and tensed. They were no longer human feet but digititrade. Instead of walking on a complete foot, it would be akin to walking on just the tip of it. He was reluctant to rise, but he also knew that he couldn't sit here forever. So, with an inhale of air and a push, he stood up. He expected to wobble some, and he did for a moment before he regained his balance. He tensed as he took his first step and was amazed that he didn't waver. He took another step and was relieved that whatever the curse did to him, it made this body as instinctively comfortable to him as his human body had been. It was only when he consciously thought about the changes that he felt himself begin to waver. He tried not to think about it as he padded across the floor towards the mirror. 
His hazel eyes regarded the tall, anthropomorphic tiger that stared back at him. His tail flicked to and fro excitedly, his brain frantically processing what he was seeing. His chest was broader now, and his arms were noticeably more muscular. He looked like someone who'd hit the gym religiously for years. He looked down at his hand and examined it. It looked more like a paw now, but still had enough of a human shape that he could probably manipulate things just like he used to. Then, with a flex, a set of claws emerged from the fur about midway up his fingers. Again, his mind simultaneously tried to process this revelation and simply shrug it off. So, this is me, he thought to himself as he returned his gaze to the mirror. This is what I am now. He focused on the eyes staring back at him. His eyes. Despite the physical changes to them, he could still see himself. Strangely, though, that was all he saw. He didn't see his father's son in those eyes anymore. He didn't see the legacy of pain and humiliation he'd seen there only hours before. It was still him. His mind still remembered everything, but now it felt distant somehow. This is how it feels, he thought with a smile. This is my clean slate. He closed his eyes, and on reflex he felt his whiskers stretch out. He tilted his head back and took in a deep breath. Suddenly his mind came alive as that simple inhalation of air flooded him with information. Mere hours before, the air was little more than slightly musty and stale. Now, though, he could make out no less than a dozen cents. Some he recognized, and some he didn't, but he could tell each of them apart. He suddenly understood what Shara had said about a veil lifting off the senses. I wonder. He breathed in again, this time trying to focus his mind on one particular scent. It was one he'd smelled before, but never this strongly. It was musky, definitely feminine, and it filled him with a sense of comfort. He knew what it was, or rather, who it came from. He turned back toward the cot and smiled. Shara was lying there on her side, her back to him. He saw her clothes folded neatly over one of the chairs. She was garbed in the same kind of underclothes he now wore. He walked toward the cot and squatted down before it. Shara turned back toward him and her eyes slowly opened. She blinked a few times before she focused on the tiger staring back at her. Her initial shock only lasted a moment before a scent, his scent, put her mind at ease. She smiled up at him. Hmm. Morning, handsome, she said softly. Hey, he said, suddenly realizing this was the first thing he'd said in this new form. So, is sleeping with your patient part of the job? Shara giggled as she sat up and stretched. No, she said. I should have left after the transformation was complete, but after everything you went through, I thought you could do with a friendly face to wake up to. She glanced over to the mirror. Have you seen yourself yet? she asked. Carl nodded. I did, and I only saw myself, Shara. No father, no voices, just me. Well, the new me. He clasped one of her hands in his. Thank you, Shara. For everything. I'm pretty sure I would have chickened out if you hadn't been here. 
She stood up and let herself be swept up in his arms. Her own senses came alive with the feelings of genuine affection and gratitude Carl was radiating. She sighed in relief. She could sense no trace of guilt or regret coming from him. His transformation was not only successful, but there was no chance his story would be the same as the wolf. There was still much more to go over with him before this was over, but for the moment, it could wait. For now, she just held him and let herself get swept up in the euphoria Carl was feeling. And that's our story. As of this recording, I still have one more week of freedom before I start my new job. I posted the news to my family and friends via social media, and the responses were overwhelming. This past year in some has been hard, and this show was one way for me to cope with it. But if you've listened this far, you also know that there were weeks when I couldn't get an episode out. There was always a looming specter over my life all this time. A countdown timer that was a combination of my bank account, my employment insurance, and any other benefits I could receive from the government. All of them were ticking down constantly, and the zero mark was always there. Over 300 applications were submitted to various positions, and those that did respond always said they'd found someone else. I started looking harder into voiceovers as a way to possibly diversify my career portfolio, and that's still something I want to pursue. It's kind of fun standing behind a mic and just being silly. And if you can profit off it, hey, so much the better, right? Since I got the news about the new job, though, I've had a chance to relax and reflect on the past year. It's made me realize what's really important in life, specifically in my life. I've also realized just how many people I had in my corner, all hoping that I'd find my way out of this. As I start working on the re-release of Outcast for publishing, I'm worried that the section where an author thanks the people is going to be a novella in itself. We'll see. Over the next few weeks, I will be working on a new beginning, but for airing, I'm going to be putting up the sequel to Rebirth. The outline for it is eight chapters long, but that could change as I'm still working on the tail end of it. Now, strangely enough, Rebirth and Ribbon Dancer, the sequel, both stemmed from a page of text I'd written for another Metamorph-based story, which will be the cap on this trilogy should I get the chance to write it. For now, though, the next few weeks will be dedicated to the first ever airing of Ribbon Dancer. Now, if you liked Rebirth, I think you'll like where I'm planning to take Carl next. For now, though, I think I'll end it here. As always, thank you for tuning in, and if you'd like to leave some feedback, please feel free to drop an email at outcastnovel at gmail.com, or you can leave a soundbite via the SpeakPipe app at kickit.yo5.ca. So until next time, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and above all, have a good week. This is Chris, signing off. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to The Kick in the Cast, the audio blog of a wannabe podcast novelist. For more information, please visit the show's website at kickit.yo5.ca 
And to leave any feedback, please feel free to drop an email at outcastnovel at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and hope to see you next time.